Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Morning, everybody. All rocking and rolling. That's good. Good to see you all this morning. Before I go any further, just wanted to let you know, Shine's Literacy Program, where we go in and we help grade twos with their literacy. Some of the kids in some of the schools in Reicher Park are really battling with their foundational levels of literacy. Some of the incredible volunteers from our church and uh, businesses around actually are uh, volunteering for that. They go in twice a week for an hour. So if you're a a person who's uh, either got your own business and you've got flexibility or maybe you're staying at home uh, with the kids or uh, whatever, you're between jobs or whatever the case might be, if you want to do that, that's an amazing opportunity for you to impact young lives, grade twos. If we can help them with their literacy at this level, we can help the trajectory of their entire academic lives. So that's kicking off actually this Thursday. Isn't that great news? It's coming, starting off this Thursday, and it's already been in the Reicher Park Chronicle and all sorts of stuff. So the community is getting to know about it, and the name Thrive Church is getting into that community as well, which is wonderful, because we're trusting God for an open door into that community as well. Huh? So it's good news. And um, Five at Thrive, you see we're all representing. Uh, that kicked off last week. We launched on f- at five o'clock. And just under 500 people in the evening service, in the afternoon service. Isn't that fantastic? It's a great time, which is evidenced by the fact that just under 500 people were there last week. It's a great time for church. And I just want to say that to you. If you, if you can't be here in the morning for whatever reason, a lot of people have kids' birthday parties. A lot of people have got sporting activities. Their kids play sports uh, even on Sunday mornings. Or a lot of people have road running or cycling races, all of that sort of stuff. Um, some people work retail, and they work on Saturdays and even into Sunday mornings. Sunday afternoons the only time that they can get to church. If you've been away for the weekend and you want to get to church in the afternoon on your way back, in. It's a fantastic space to do church. And so five at Thrives. Kicks off at five. Quarter past six, we've finished. Dinner on the deck with the family. You can get your dinner sorted out and you can be home by seven o'clock if you really want to watch Fart Blanche. (laughs) Or better yet, stay and hang out. So we had so, so many comments last week. People said, oh, it's such a great way to start the week, you know. Rather than just getting negative and like, or just getting like all like in a funk on a Friday, on a Sunday afternoon, great way to start your week. And the atmosphere was electric and it's so awesome. Remember this week that uh, it's uh, from this week onwards, one message across the day, right? So the same message that's in the morning is preached in the afternoon as well. So it's just another option, another time. Another, it's not different church, it's the same church, just a, a great option and a great time slot. So five o'clock, if you can, make that your service of choice if you are able to some weeks. It'll help us to free up space for the morning. Already, we look around in the morning. Last few weeks, the balcony's been full. We look this morning, some people are coming tonight, five o'clock. It means we've got space for people. We can reach our community. So em- empty seats in the balcony this week, this week only, is a fantastic. I'm happy with it because it means that we can reach our community and we've got another 200 seats freed up and available. Hey, so just more options gives people more ability and we can reach further into our community. So Get inviting, and uh, let's do it. Awesome. Shall we pray? Are you, it's 10 o'clock. I feel like you've got faith in you this morning. Is that right? I don't know what Carmen's been doing to you. I don't know what Deb's been doing to you, but it feels like you've got faith. It feels like you're ready to rock and roll this morning. So don't let me down. Okay, cool. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that we are in your house. Thank you that we get to 
be together as the church. Not a building, but people. And this morning, uh, help us just to come away a little bit this morning. Help us to not be distracted by our phones and our thoughts and our thoughts about maybe the week coming, about Monday or whatever it is. Help us to come away and to be with you this morning a bit. To enjoy this time with you. Let your word speak to us. May it change us and mold us, shape us, help us in our lives. And may we make much of you, Jesus, we pray. In your name and everybody said? Amen. 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 A friend of mine told me the story the other day about his road rage incident on the highways of Joburg. He was trying to get out of the Melrose area, and it was raining, and uh, traffic was gridlocked, like what you saw with Kami's picture up a little bit earlier. It was just chaos on the roads, and got to a four-way stop. The robots were out, and he, he thought it was his turn. He's not the sort of guy that would cut in front of people or push in, so he just decided to go, and he, he went, and uh, as he went, uh, clearly he got it wrong, and it was some uh, other guy's turn, or so he thought. And this other guy started hooting at him and abusing him and kind of flipping birds out the window and all sorts of stuff, you know. And uh, he retaliated and said, like, just chill out and go, hooted back and told him to go and jump in a lake and all that stuff. Next thing you know, the guy says, I'll tell you how chilled I am. And he gets out of his car, stops his car in the middle of the road, turns the key off, gets out, locks his car, and arrives at my friend's car with a baseball bat and begins to sort out his car with a baseball bat. In fact, if he hadn't closed his front door, because he'd also got a, if he hadn't closed his front door, he would have had his knees taken out by the baseball bat. And the guy proceeded to smash the half of his, one half of his car with a baseball bat. It's rough out there in Jobig's highways, isn't it? <laughs> I thought to myself, you know, I, I think when, when that stuff happens, we can't merely look at the, the symptoms, we've got to look at the causes. And I ask myself the question, what's in that guy? What, what's in him that's come out there? Because the external is symptomatic of the internal. You know, what goes on inside eventually finds its way out, doesn't it? So like, what, what's in him? And this is, we're kicking off a new series this morning called What's In You? And I think, you know, in our country at the moment, um, the level, I think it would be fair to say, the level of anger and anxiety, frustration, um, insecurity, fear is high at the moment. Load shedding doesn't help us, you know. In fact, just to let you know this morning, we're running on generator power this morning, not because of load shedding, but just because we've got an enormous generator bought with the generous giving of this church that can power us much better than ESCOM can. So we can get power for everything we need from our Jenny because of your generous giving. So we don't worry about load shedding on a Sunday because we sorted and we're blessed because of that. Um, but load shedding weighs down on us. State capture and the Zondo Commission and all of these things, they make us vus, don't they? I need some amens. Are you all just chilled about this stuff? It's almost like you're taking the wrapping and the bandaging off of your foot, or off of your, your wound. Now, when I was uh, five years old, I had a car accident, and my foot got mangled and munged up and all sorts. And uh, I spent months sort of in rehab getting the foot back to uh, a, a functional level. And at the end of every day, I had to take the bandages off. We had to undress the wound to give it air and oxygen so that the oxygen could heal. And the doctor said to me, you have to put your foot in the light for a couple of hours a day. 
Because the light is what helps it to heal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when we hear about this stuff at these commissions and things, what's happening is the corruption's coming to light. It's getting put into the light. So that while it's uncomfortable to listen to, makes us angry to listen to, it also enables us to heal as a country. Now we need to pray that those guys who are involved with this stuff go to jail. That's what we need to pray for. That justice would be served. That the oaks who've been stealing will go to jail. I'm praying those prayers. I don't know about you. I'm praying God send them to jail. Put godly people in the right place so that our country can continue to heal. Are you with me? So I think our collective South African psyche at the moment is one where levels of anxiety, fear, insecurity, anger, frustration, they're high at the moment, aren't they? Characterizes much of our mental framework at the moment. If we're not careful, we, I think we can get sucked into this whole thing. And as Christ follows, we can't afford to get sucked into the collective psyche of the culture. Let me say that again. As Christ follows, we can't afford to get sucked into the collective psyche of the culture. Because then we start to conform to culture, we start to look like culture, we start to think like culture, and before you know it, we're speaking like culture. Are you with me this morning? In our worst moments, those ma- oh, moments of anger and frustration, I think we've got to stop and ask ourselves, what's in me? What's in me? Maybe I can just ask you for a moment, just in a moment of silence, yourself now, where you're at. Just stop and ask yourself, what's, what's in you? Is, it, is there fear? Is there anxiety? Is there a wondering about your future? Is there a, a frustration? Is there an anger that some of your tax money got stolen? You know? This is the, uh, the stuff we feel it, man. And as the church, if we're not speaking into this stuff, we're sitting on the sidelines and we're absent from the discussion. What's in you at the moment? It would be almost impossible to go to a party, a braai, social gathering of any sort without people talking about immigration. Everybody's talking about immigration at the moment. Let me say this about immigration. Quick short left. It's not whether immigration is right or wrong. I don't think God necessarily cares whether you immigrate or not. Except that, have you heard from Him for your decision? It's not that immigration is right or wrong. It's whether it's right or wrong for you. Because you can be on the beach in Hawaii sipping a pina colada, having a pedicure, manicure, facial, and a wax all at the same time. You can be in paradise and be out of the will of God, and your life will be a disaster. Similarly, you can be in the middle of a war zone in Afghanistan, but if you're in the center of God's will, where He wants you, you'll, you'll be blessed, and you'll thrive, and you'll, you'll, you'll be okay. It's not whether or not your kids have a future in our country. or not. This is what people are asking. The question is, have you heard from God for your decision? That's the issue. What's in you? 
Maybe there's some bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Maybe there's anger, frustration, fear, insecurity. What's in you at the moment? Whatever it is, I've got good news for us this morning because God doesn't intend for us to live with that stuff anchored within us. Whatever is in you is not where God would have you be. So come with me to 2 Peter, because he has put something in us, and it's not anger, it's not resentment, it's not fear, it's not insecurity, it's not anxiety, it's not this stuff, right? He's put something in us as Christians that we need to know about and unlock this morning. He's put something different to what the culture is putting into you this morning. Are you with me? I need some amens. 2 Peter 1, chapter 3 to 8. Everything we could ever need. That's everything, right? Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God. Isn't that beautiful? Has already been deposited in us. It doesn't say it will be. It doesn't say if you, if you get better, if you do better, if you become. It doesn't say that it will be if, if you just do X, Y, and Z. It says it has already been put in you by His divine power. Everything, church, everything you need for life and complete devotion to God has already been put inside of you. For all this was lavished upon us. I love the wording, hey. Through the rich experience of knowing Him who's called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of this world. I almost preached on promises, the price, the power, and the partnership with this message, but I had to stick to what I felt. There's something in there. There's a, you've got promises of great price, forms a partnership with God. That's what's. Verse three, let's focus. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us. God has, God has made a deposit of himself in you so that you can have everything you need for life and devotion to God. Professor Chris Barnard, many of you might remember the story, on the 3rd of December, 1967, he performed the world's first open heart transplant. It was a revolutionary moment in medicine. It was an incredible moment. He took the heart of a young lady Fully functioning heart, nothing wrong with her heart. She was involved with, in a car accident. Her name was Denise Darvell, and she was brain dead, but her heart was fully full of life. And he took this heart that was full of life, and he deposited it into the chest cavity of an older man called Louis Washkansky, whose heart was sick and dying. And he deposited a life-giving heart into the chest cavity of the sick and dying. Is somebody... Hearing what I'm saying this morning, God has deposited from his heart and his life something of himself into the chest cavity of our lives that's life-giving, that floods, that beats, that has got health and vitality. Everything you need for life has been placed inside of you. It's not what's in us that is the problem. It's that we don't know how to unlock what's in us. Are you with me? And so Peter teaches us in the scripture how to unlock everything that's been given to us. So what is the everything? 
Because he says everything you need has been given into, I don't know about you, but I like specifics. Like, so what is that? Is it a bowl and chocolate? Is it an espresso? You know, what is that? Everything you need. So he tells us now what the everything is, right? So he goes, so devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness and to goodness add understanding, right? And to understanding add the strength of self-control and to self-control add patient endurance and to patient endurance add godliness and to godliness add mercy towards your brothers and sisters and to mercy towards others add unending love. Some commentators call that faith's ladder of virtue. I read that and I get a little bit intimidated. I'm like, that's a lot of good stuff that's supposedly in here. Why don't I exhibit that stuff? Are you with me? There's a, there's a very specific key as to how this works. The way to understand that scripture is not only cumulative. So it's not that like to faith add goodness, add understanding, add self-control. Add, it's, it's, it's not only that it's cumulative. It's that one unlocks the other. So let me illustrate it to you this way. A great way of understanding this is to think about it this way. Another way of interpreting that passage is to say, out of faith emerges something, right? Out of faith emerges what? What's it? Out of faith emerges goodness. Now out of the goodness emerges understanding. Out of the understanding of God emerges self-control. Out of self-control emerges something else. Endurance. Once you've got endurance, something else emerges from endurance. It's called goodness. Ah, godliness, sorry. I've done goodness. Godliness. It also starts with a G and ends in an ESS. What more do you want? Godliness. Out of the godliness emerges? Mercy. Out of the mercy emerges? Love. Starts with faith and ends in love. What am I saying to us this morning? There, there is everything we need for life and devotion to God has already been placed within us. The key to unlocking that stuff is, the, is faith because out of faith emerges goodness. Out of goodness emerges understanding. Out of understanding emerges self-control. Out of inner strength or self-control emerges patient endurance, emerges godliness, emerges mercy, emerges love. Are you with me? The key to unlocking all that he's placed within us is to unlock our faith, to strengthen our faith, to forge our faith, to take our faith up a level, to build our faith. I'm gonna give you a few thoughts this morning on how to unlock your faith, how to build your faith, how to strengthen your faith, how to make your faith stronger, how to make your faith larger, how to make your faith richer, how to make your faith deeper. Are you ready to go this morning? Remember, if you take notes, what happens? No, you retain more information. <laughs> it all starts with faith. Number one, we've got to feed our faith with the Word of God. We've got to feed our faith. How many of you know if you want something to grow, you've got to do what? You've got to feed it. 
If you've got a newborn baby, you better feed this thing, otherwise it's going to starve to death. Where sometimes we don't feed our faith, we wonder why it starves. Feed your faith with the Word of God. You know, many of you might have heard of this incredible lady called Corrie ten Boom. Her and her family not only hid from the Nazis in, during the Second World War, but they hid people. They gave people um, like safe passage and, and uh, 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 they were a refuge to many families who were fleeing from the Nazis. Here's an amazing thing. You know what, you know what they did, this family? They would, they would ask each other a question while the Nazis were walking in their house, searching cupboards and under the floorboards. They were searching the, the rooms of their house. Corrie ten Boom and her family would stand and they would whisper to each other, what's in your shoe, daddy? What's in your shoe, mommy? To her sister, what's in your shoe, Betsy? They had taken portions of their Bible, torn out the page, put it in the shoes so that they could literally stand on the promises of God while these people were walking around them. Isn't that a beautiful picture, man? It's beautiful. They were literally standing on God's word. They thought, hey, if we go to jail, if we go to the concentration camps, we will know we've got the word of God with us. We'll have it in our shoes and then we'll hide it in our hearts. Are you feeding your faith with God's word? Not, not, not once a week, you know, you skinny you look if you eat once a week. I'm going to try it, maybe. <laughs> Feed your faith, right? You still with me? Receiving something this morning? Number two, exercise your faith by your actions. You know, muscles get larger by exercise, don't they? Muscles just get bigger the more you exercise them. We've got to exercise our faith. Because when we exercise our faith, we're using it. We're, we're exercising it. Guess what? The muscle of our faith gets bigger. For some of you here, maybe you're close to Christ, Christ-centered people, maybe for you to exercise your faith would be to embark on a long fast, you know, so 10 days longer, like a 40-day fast. That might be a real stretch of your faith. But come on. Maybe some of you have got to mem- memorize a book of the Bible. Start and, you know, start memorize the book of Hebrews or Philippians or something like that. Stretch yourself. Some of us here, maybe we're new to faith. I know there are so many new to faith. You, you made a decision just these first few weeks of January and February. Guess what your stretch is? Guess what your exercise of your faith is? Is to get baptized. Next week is Baptism Sunday. Before you leave today, you should put your name down and say, I'm going to exercise my faith. I'm going to get to the class just after the service. I'm going to get baptized next Sunday. We will scream for you. We will cheer for you. It'll be better than a bull's game beating the stormers. Be like that. Some of you just need to exercise your faith and get baptized. I feel like I need to say this to some people. I know you've been in church for many, some of you have been in church for many years, you've never been baptized. One of our kids' church leaders, Manny, a few weeks ago, he got baptized. He's been in church his whole life. He's realized, I've never been baptized. Got baptized. So next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Don't miss out. Don't, don't be that guy or that girl who's like, oh, I missed out. Don't, don't, don't be that. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be like Donald Trump. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so some of you, to exercise your faith would be in the area of your giving. So, some of you just in your giving, you're not exercising faith. Your faith's not getting stronger in that area because you're not exercising in that area. Some of you need to honor God with your money. Make a serious decision to honor Him with your finances. The only way you're going to do that is exercise your faith by doing what you need to do. Some of you, it might be a, a serving uh, uh, of the poor, of the community in Rachel Park. 
are serving here on a Sunday, to give your life away. So, you know, in our culture, we're so consumed with ourselves. We spend all of our money on ourselves and we spend all of our time on ourselves. And if that's how our lives look, then it doesn't look like Jesus. You with me? I need some amens. It feels like it's gone quiet in the Seventh-day Adventist church here right now. Are you with me? If your life, all your money and all your time goes on yourself, then your life doesn't look like Jesus. So maybe it's serve, you know. Imagine you came to church and there was nobody to serve you coffee. Nobody making a great cup of coffee. Imagine there were no techies. You'd have nothing on the screens, nothing going on. You'd have no words. It's, you'd just sit here and sing mumbo jumbo. Imagine there were no incredible musos and worship team giving of their gifts. Imagine there's nobody greet you at the info desk. This stuff matters. Imagine there's nobody who said, hey, I don't care about young people in grade two, whether they can read or write. I don't care about that. Imagine there's no, no team in missions right now in Mozambique. The guys are in Mozambique on missions. Imagine there's somebody there who said, I don't care about the rest of the world. I'm into South Africa and I'm into the East Rand only. How crazy. Come on, you've got to exercise your faith by getting up and doing something. The only way you get stronger is to pick up the barbell and do the lift. Are you with me? Number three, we've got, to, we've got to speak to our faith. So we've got to feed it, then we've got to exercise it, and then we've got to speak to it. You know, just yesterday, um, we took, uh, our kids had to go to a birthday party. They went to a place called Go Ape out in Modafontaine. It's like zip lining and uh, obstacle courses amongst trees and kind of cool stuff like that. They've got to climb and zip line and do all Caleb gets to the end of the course. He's done brilliantly the whole course. He's loved it. Then he gets to the zip line and the zip line's about 150 meters long. And he looks down at this thing and he goes, nah. And the tears start streaming down his cheeks. He's like, nah. I had to go up to him and from the base of the tree, he was high up there. I had to speak to him. I had to speak to his faith. I had to speak to what's in him. I had to tell you, boy, you can do this. You see the other guys say, I can do it. I have to explain to him the trajectory of the thing. He wants to know, does it go all the way down or does it come back up? I said, no, it goes back up. I have to speak to him. I have to build his faith. You know, we've got to build our faith. We've got to speak to ourselves sometimes. You know, when you're stuck in traffic, when there's load shedding, you've got to speak to yourself. <laughs> we've got to speak. To, are you with me this morning? Sometimes we've got to prep talk ourselves or pep talk ourselves. We've got to stop being an idiot. Now, come on, let, let me talk to you. Are you with me? I heard the story about it one Sunday morning, a preacher, he was in a church, it was an African-American congregation, they were amazingly responsive. <laughs> I said they were amazingly responsive. Okay. So, so the preacher goes, he goes, the church, this church, he says, it's like a crippled man who needs to get up and walk under the power of Jesus. I mean, he's giving it to them. the congregation replied, they talk back to him. They go, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. Then the preacher goes on, he says, this church is like Elijah on Mount Carmel, it's got to run. They reply to him, they go back with enthusiasm, let it run, preacher, let it run. <laughs> the preacher said, this church has got to mount up on wings like eagles and it's got to fly. And the congregation replies, let it fly, preacher, let it fly. It must be amazing to have a congregation talking back to you like that. <laughs> it's just so good. And the preacher goes on, he goes, now if this church is going to fly, it's going to take money. Congregation goes, let it walk, preacher. Let it walk. (laughs) 
That is not a faithful response, would you agree? <laughs> Sometimes we need to see the opposite of what we really want to see. But Romans 4.17 on a serious note says, God calls things that are not as though they were. We can call things that are not as though they were. We can speak to ourselves and we can speak to our faith. We can speak to our hearts. We can say, be still hearts. God will supply all of our needs, right? He's got us. God loves us more than we love ourselves. The hairs on my head, He knows them. We've got to speak to ourselves. Number four, we've got to free our faith from negativity. We've got to free our faith from negativity. Feed your faith and starve your doubts. How do you feed your faith and starve your doubts? I'll give you one very practical way to do it. Starve your social media or your mainstream media feeds. Be careful what information you allow into your inbox. In our culture today, we live with a proliferation of information. Info is it's just coming at us from all sides. And we've got to become wise people to understand what information should be allowed into my inbox and what should not. Can I take a little detour here quickly? You know that the U magazine doesn't always tell you the truth, eh? You know that. Neither do the newspapers. If you've got News 24 on your phone, can I, can I say this to you? You're just getting sloppy, biased, uninformed, rushed, haphazard, slapdash reporting put together and sent. Guess why? Because bad news sells. So let's not be stupid about this stuff. News agencies have a vested interest in making sure that we are maximally exposed. That's not a word, maximally, I don't think, but it is now. <laughs> we are exposed to the maximum in terms of the bad news that comes our way. Why? Because it sells their products. We must not be doff about this stuff, church. There is all that stuff that happens, but the reporting on it is shocking. Unbiased. Slapdash haphazard. Be careful what you allow into your life. The reason carte blanche likes to do negative stories is because it sells. And I'm not picking just on carte blanche. It's true of the star and it's true of the Argus and all of these things. If you really want to know what's going on in the world, you've got to pick the publications that you read thoughtfully and carefully. The Economist is a, is a good one. Time Magazine is good. Business Day is good. The Mail and Guardian is good. These are people that actually are reporters, not some dude who can put pen to paper and upload it. Are you with me? Are you with me? I'm trying to help you because the news feed in our lives is bad. And it, it's made worse when it's not well reported, not well investigated. And we must be wise. Jesus says we must be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Let's be wise as serpents around what we allow into our inboxes. Are you all still with me? All okay? Number five, we've got to believe the impossible as possible. 
How do you build your faith? How do you stoke your faith? How do you strengthen your faith? How do you forge your faith? How do you unlock your faith? By believing the impossible is possible. Well, Luke one thirty seven tells us, nothing is impossible for God. I don't know about you, but I get so um, used to stuff that I pray sanitized prayers to God. I pray safe prayers to God. When was the last time you prayed an impossible prayer to God? When was the last time you prayed for something impossible? You know? A risky prayer. A prayer that you'd look like a muhu if it didn't come right. You know that? Number six, share our faith with others. But to share our faith with others. If you, um, if you plan on sharing your faith, and you plan on doing it by telling people that the flames of hell are licking on the bottom ends of their backside, please don't tell them you come to this church. <laughs> tell them you go to the church of the seventh wonder of the eighth trumpet of the bowl of judgmental fire at the beta seat of the judgment church in, um, I don't know, Brackpan. <laughs> I don't know. Just not here, right? <laughs> don't, you know how we can share our faith? Simply, authentically, and That'll, that'll speak to people's hearts. Just tell them what your life was like before Jesus. Tell them how you encountered Christ and tell them what your life's like afterwards. You don't need to be an apologist. You don't need to defend the faith. You don't need to give them seven reasons why creation and not evolution. You don't need to do any of that stuff. You just need to say, this is who I was before. This is how I met Jesus and this is how he's working in my life so that I, my life has started to look a bit different and I'm not a finished product and still stuff up here and do things there and, and he's working with me. And if you're not busy, you should come to church sometime. Come to She Is Ladies is coming up soon and it's gonna be awesome. So just authentically, sincerely, from your heart and the Holy Spirit does the rest in people's hearts. Are you with me? Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you shared your faith or discussed your faith with anybody. That's what I loved about the story of Liesl with Debbie. She reached out just in such a beautiful way. She just reached out. And now Liesl's here making coffee and she makes the best coffee. If you see her behind the coffee machine, you should always go there. Makes much better coffee than the men in our barista team. It's just, just amazing. Number seven, we should discuss, your, uh, we should discuss our faith with our Creator. What do I mean by that and why is that important to our faith? Here's why it's important. Because when we, when we talk to God about how we are, things change in our, in our friendship with Him. The intimacy levels of our friendship with God increase. Because when we tell God how we're feeling and when we tell Him how we're doing and when we tell Him what's going on in our lives and if we tell Him what we're processing and what we're battling with and what we're celebrating and what we're rejoicing and what, what's going so well in our lives and when we tell Him how, how that experience made us, just filled us up or when we tell Him how that experience depleted us, whatever it might be, we're sharing our heart with Him. And transparency is the pathway to intimacy. So if you're in a friendship, if you're in a relationship, in a marriage, you'll know the intimacy level of that friendship, marriage, whatever, can never increase unless you share something of yourself with that person. I think God spends all of his day waiting to hear how our hearts are. 
and we tell him what we need. He's like, but how are you? You know? How are you doing today? When was the last time you discussed your faith with your creator? With the God who loves you? Now verse 8 is kind of the crux of this whole thing in Second Peter. Because he says that since these virtues are planted deep within, and you possess them in abundant supply, right? We've already been there. They are already within us. We possess them in abundant supply. The key is learning how to unlock them through our faith. Because out of faith emerges goodness. Out of emerge, goodness emerges understanding of God. Out of understanding of God emerges self-control, etc., etc. So the key all comes back to the faith. So since you have it, since you know it's deposited within you, since you now know how to unlock it, right? They will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus more intimately. In other words, these things that are already in you, what's in you? I'll tell you what's in you. Godliness, goodness, self-control, right? Understanding of God, love, mercy, goodness. These things, they're in you. Now, since they're in you, these are the things that will enable you to know Jesus more. It's interesting in those verses that we read this morning, Peter uses a Greek word for knowing, the knowing of Jesus. He uses this particular word three times. It's a word that uh, explains knowing in an experiential and not in a transactional sense. He says, it's not like you will know Jesus, it's like you will know Jesus. Let me explain it to you this way. You know, we've had a couple of thunderstorms in the last few weeks, we have these epic thunderstorms. You know, when everything like floods, you go through Galulis, it's flooded, Eastgate shopping center sends out boats. I mean, it's like that kind of thing, right? They're, they're just like enormous. But the other day, there was this beautiful rainbow. In fact, it was a double rainbow. I walked out of my kitchen door, and there's this amazing rainbow, double one, actually. I'm like, oh, it's a rainbow. And I immediately called the kids and Pastor Kate, I'm like, come check this rainbow. And they came, and they saw it, and they're like, oh. So it's, they experienced it, right? Now, how many of you know it would not have been helpful for me if I had said to them, children, there is a rainbow outside. It's an arc showing the colors of the spectrum, which is a display of light separated according to the wavelengths of light. Each wavelength consists of a different color. Therefore, the rainbow appears as a band of colors. How many of you would agree that's not helpful? It's not inspiring. Peter's saying, if you want to avoid a fruitless Christian walk, if you want to know, if you want to know him, then unlock with your faith. Build your faith, strengthen your faith. Speak to your faith, feed your faith. Talk to your faith. Share your faith, discuss your faith. Why? Because out of your faith will emerge goodness. Out of your goodness will emerge an understanding of God you never thought possible. Out of an understanding of God will emerge a self-control. Out of that will emerge a godliness. Out of that will emerge a mercy. Out of that will emerge a love. And you'll know Him. Know Him. Not describe him, know him. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. 
We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.